Hello, good morning. Welcome back to the Explicit Measures Podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Good morning. Good morning. morning. It's just a morning. Good morning. It's a great morning. Welcome to the morning. to you Thursday. Yes. From a snowy northern uh, part of the United States. So hello and welcome from that. We are super deep in snow uh, at this point in time. So my back is Mm -hmm. extremely sore. Winter has finally arrived in January, so uh, we'll have snow till April, May, May right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So we've just till next January pivoted yeah. two months into uh, the season. Yeah. It always feels like the weather stores up the bad weather, and like it's nice, 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 nice. It's you know it's comfortable, no snow, everything's nice, and all of a sudden it's like okay, I'm ready now, and then here comes all the snow and all the disaster that yeah. comes with. I like to think of myself as the even killed guy, kind of keep my cool in most most things, right? And um, fortunately, I had a mishap. I fairly just found out about seafoam for your snowblower. I did not test mine out this year. And I have a longer driveway because I have a disconnected garage. Yada, yada, yada. Snowblower didn't work. We had a bad shovel. And let me just put it this way. My shovel's into pieces now. Oh, no. Yes. Tommy got it. Tommy had a, he, that was not a level headed decision on it the shovel. It was not a level headed, but you know what it was? Getting a. It was the Italian with, passion yeah. coming out onto the shovel. It was a mafia uh, decision. <laughs> so, uh, um, now I have a shovel with the metal tip, which helps a ton. It does help so. very much so. Today's topic, real quick, before we get into it, we'll go into news here in just a moment. Today's topic is called The Politics of Data. And we have an article for this one today that we're going to go through together. I think this is a great article and very relevant for organizations trying to think through how does politics and who gets to own what in the data space uh, work for the team. So that's our topic for today. Any quick updates or notes uh, or any kind of items we want to talk about from a um, uh, just news standpoint? There hasn't been a whole lot out there on the Power BI blog. The, there's the uh, switching, <laughs> there's the, what reads to me like a, uh, hey guys, we need to put something on the blog. What What is it? <laughs> what is somebody doing? <laughs> there's there's a feature that's been out there for like HTML on the dashboard that yes. was feature enabled and now it's preset, not. defaulted to not enabled because it's a security hole. Yeah. So there's that. I mean, but. Cool. <laughs> I think they're shoveling snow too. Maybe so. Yeah. I, w- I do. I do feel like um, there is a lot more um, conversation around just data factory in general. It seems so. Azure Data Factory has been a standalone product. Uh, the pi- the data factory gets a pipeline. A pipeline can run and do various activities in a, in a sequence, and it's, it's very it's very robust. It's a good orchestration tool as well as doing some data movements. Yep. I'm seeing a lot of blogs here in January kind of just talking about just general um, working with the the warehouse and data factory, data factory using to orchestrate notebooks. I think this is very healthy because this is one of those aha moments that people need to understand. So I, I hope that Microsoft's continue investing in the data factory pieces of, of the world or the pipelines portion of Fabric because uh, I think actually this is fairly strong and, and really needed especially when you're trying to load a lot of data in from someplace and you don't really want to do it with a, uh, a data flow, which I have found data flows are okay, but when we start talking like large-scale datas, it, it's a little bit different. 
one other note or news item here. Do you guys follow a gentleman by the name of Mim on Twitter? He was recently hired by the Microsoft team. You know what I'm talking so, about? Gonna have to give me a little more context. So here. Mim is an individual who's been very vocal about this database, like an open source database called DuckDB. He does a lot of oh, performance yeah. testing around like Fabric and Google and other systems and kind of does a lot of performance testing. He's recently moved on to the Microsoft Cat team. And it's been really fun to follow his Twitter thread uh, because he's been tweeting and I think maybe he's that on LinkedIn. I'm not sure exactly where it is, but um, he's done a really good job of just saying, look how fast this is. I think he, I saw a blog post the other day. He was copying 28 gigabytes in like under a minute by using a copy data activity inside Fabric. I mean, the stuff, he's, the stuff that he's performance testing is pretty impressive. So it's kind of nice to see someone kind of putting it through the ringer. Uh, and seeing how it behaves. I'll see if I can find his uh, Twitter handle here. A copy data activity via like... A pipeline? Uh, pipeline, yeah. Interesting. I'll have to go find... Uh, I'll see if I can stumble across his article. It'll that has been the fun part. Gig. <laughs> <laughs> how many yeah. files? Or are we just Or are we just copying data from one structured table to another? That I could believe. I mean, maybe maybe it's something along those lines, but it, that, it was that, yeah, that makes it sense. was fast. I mean, regardless, I mean, it's it's just I don't have when you get things like fabric in your hands, you mm -hmm. get to see it run. You can play with it, but unless you have someone testing, like okay, how long how long does it take to move fifty gigabytes? How, you know, you don't know. Like, yeah. if we're talking to a SQL server, how long should that take? You know, yeah. people always ask me as a consultant, yeah. like, hey, how much is going to cost me? How long is it going to take? And a lot of times I'm like, well, I have some data points that I've used in the past and, you know, but I don't, I don't have like a library of like, okay, here's my statistics for every single job I've ever yeah. run well, this and how long this, yeah. yeah. So it's nice to have Mem kind Go of doing 15. some of those things. You know, honestly, that's a great part about the community is I've been seeing a ton really since Fabric came out of people testing and they're showing the cost or the usage on all these different scenarios. I know Bernat's been really good with that. There's been a few other people, yes. some a little more negative than others um on on their take but at the same time we're getting a lot of preview and this has always been microsoft's community yes. this is to me why adoption's always been so uh um uh, rapid is yeah. because you get people who are sharing man was twitter out when power bi first came out or am i showing my age here <laughs> what? well i don't know yeah, if i remember yeah. like when power bi first came out and then that growth or seeing all the stuff I had to learn. You can learn a lot of stuff on the social media platforms now, or at least get a lot a ton of information. I would hundred percent agree with you. And um, I'll, I'll echo here so that I put it Mim's Twitter handle there on. Um, there I you believe go. I, I fixed my mistake. I'm not following Mim. Okay. You need to follow. You need to make sure you follow Mim. Uh, and again, he's now hired by Microsoft. So you're getting a lot more of like, Broad mm. tests on top of Power BI things and Fabric related things. Anyways, Sweet. highly recommended. Uh, good follow there and a lot of good learning that comes from here's his LinkedIn profile as well. So I'll just put that out here as well. Go follow him. Uh, stay up to tune. Stay in tune with what he's doing, what he's copying. But anyway, some really interesting things coming from Fabric. Seems to be very performant. Uh, pretty impressive stuff. Anyways, I like that stuff. Moving on to our main topic today. Tommy, give us a little introduction. What's the uh, what's the gist of our topic today? We're talking about down and dirty with the politics of data. An article written by Ralph. This is 
we've talked about so much about data culture and the need for data to become more consumed by the organization. And this article does a good job of, or to me, I think it's a great talking point of when it goes wrong or when it gets, um, instead of being ripe, gets a little sour. And I, I've seen this, I've been a I've been a part of this where rather than data being a part of an asset or being an asset uh, seen as part of how we make decisions, it's more for control. It's more for how we do things. And it's either business technology teams owning it and feeling like they have control. So therefore they have power or organization or departments feeling the need of don't share my data because I will share my data because I know how it's calculated and you get truly the politics and you get truly the selfishness around their data because they don't want to be judged uh, wrongly about this. And this goes from the top down, but it's both the ownership of that data, whether it's the, the flow of it into the organization or how it's measured and how it's communicated, uh, that how, when it goes really wrong. And I think all too frequently how easy this is to happen, uh, within organizations. There's a lot of really good points in this article. Let's just kick it off with like the main headline of the article, which I think is a really good observation. Make no, and this is reading from Ralph's initial like headliner here. Make no mistake about it. Data, data is a critical business asset. Therefore, control of data is power. Where there is power and control, politics will follow. I think that's very insightful. Sounds a bit like Lord of the Rings. It does. Do we hold the data Mordor? The data has such yeah. a such a clickbaity title. There should have been like, and click here for the next page, <laughs> where <laughs> where it gets reasonable. Right? See, shock, ten shocking top, images top of, of data. Ten top, shocking top images. Of, top of the first paragraph. The control of data insights within an organization will not necessarily play out as power struggles and political battles, with the result being one person or team ending up the winner or the loser, but it certainly can. And along the way, the organization as a whole may end up in the loser column. That's a, it's a great opening statement, I think. I think the only other point I'd make with the article is it was written in 2020, right? So Power BI was out. There's no mention of that. But um, the the other aspects I want to dive into as we're talking through this are uh, are there points in here that fabric is challenging in mm. in this structure? It's a great idea. So but I, I I agree right so far with with you know the the layout of. I think there's an an early point made in the article talking a lot about just um, businesses want to own their data, and I do have some examples of businesses that I have seen kind of owning their data and and not. Not, I would say not manipulating it, but then putting their department in the best light that they can based on their reporting. I have definitely seen things, especially in supply chain pieces, where it, let me say it this way. A lot of companies incentivize based on performance. The data of that performance yeah. dictates some sort of bonus or, you know, justification for spending more or not spending more or something like that around. There's, there's usually a a goal of the organization, an enterprise goal, is tied to something that is related to data. Interestingly enough, the teams that are working on the data are the teams that own their own goals. So, for example, a manufacturing plant has a goal to produce something in a certain amount of time. Well, the numbers get just adjusted so that, oh, we, we forecasted 
you know, 100,000 units, but we only made 85. So we'll just adjust the forecast retroactively. And so now we make our goal. Like we've now, we now have met the forecast or, you know, whatever that may be, but there's, there's adjustments being made. So that way the business unit has the, I guess, meets the goal. Right. And I don't think that really helps a lot of times. I, I've seen so many times where the forecast is being adjusted based on reality. I, I don't think that's right. <laughs> I feel like you should leave the forecast alone and that is what it is. And that's the forecast. And whether you make it or not, it's that's, but there was, there was a, there's cultures out there that allow this to happen. And so the ownership of the data, how the data is being massaged, what's filtered in and Tommy, you've, I think you've experienced, you've voiced this in the podcast before, very similar behaviors where a team doesn't want to have their sales numbers down by, for whatever reason. And they adjust, well, we, we need to take this data out because that was an account that's not our account anymore. And that's that other team's account, right? We, we, we filter that out, remove that from our numbers because it, one, it made them look bad, but then two, you know, now, now they can meet their quote unquote goals for the year. Well, I think you said the magic word. It's culture here. That's really the core issue. And to your point, I don't think people are trying to own the data for the sake of power or they're, they're seeing in that light, like, Hey, we need to have the power and the control. I think it's either uh, a fear factor in the sense of, Hey, if we're not reporting the right numbers or someone sees these numbers and they're not what they expected, like that's going to look, take us in a bad light kind of to your point, but it's almost the other way from a, from a negative point of view where rather than we're going to show us doing so well, well, if we don't show that we're doing well, someone's going to get fired or someone's getting in trouble. So we're going to have this ownership of, uh, you know, we need to own this side. I, I really see it two core areas of ownership. There's the ownership of the technology of how the data is actually coming in. And there's the ownership of how we're measuring it that I, I've seen kind of be the two core issues of control and how the data is massaged. I like the I like the the middle section of the article where it starts talking about like the control of data, and it starts talking about um, some of the politics come out of who can control the metrics, the KPIs, because those are often the ones that have influence around those numbers. Th this is what a measure of success looks like. So if you're if you're deciding on what that looks like, and that that seems to dictate a lot of the. Um, control around what the data is saying right. you make an interesting point that does i think mike that falls into this this first aspect of control of data and one that i i can resonate with and probably why sales and commercial is an easy butt of our jokes around data um but it, it, it's not necessarily the 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 goal setting of the organization um isn't necessarily wrong but yeah. I have seen where, um, especially in the commercial realms, if this is our number, we're going to go hit that number, mm -hmm. that that fosters a culture of go get that number at all costs. Interesting. And when, when you own the data sets of the revenue generating products or services or whatever you're selling in sure. your CRM tool, right? We all know this very well. Accounts, opportunities, we're closing opportunities, we're following up with customers, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. Um, what, what I have seen is not all of those systems are directly tied to the costs of the organization. Oh, that's a great observation. What you're selling. Yes. And the problem that happens is when you instantiate a culture of go get it at all costs, 
without the checks and balances of ensuring that what you're selling is is meeting the guidelines of your margins, then bad things start happening because folks will sell anything at any price to hit the number. And that's where I think total control of an area isn't necessarily representing bad data or representing that they're not hitting their goal, but that's not the whole picture, right? And that's where you Mm -hmm. start to get into account, uh, like revenue operations, where accounting, like the things of finance that round out that whole picture that should be part of the conversation right out of the gate or should be built into those systems so that as you're chasing that number, the account exec doesn't need to worry about or the organization doesn't need to worry about not hitting thresholds that you should with every sale to ensure mm-hmm. that what you're selling ticks all the minimum boxes of of pursuing that number. Well, and it's not just finance data either. I mean, think about all the different departments that don't directly have something tied to finance. To me, I've seen this come to light all too often when we have when Power BI becomes or the kind of central port we're going to do reporting. And the problem is when we have assumed data. Uh, think of marketing where they have all their different metrics that they've been communicating to the business on our open rate and here's our, mm-hmm. or our call center on our call rate. And all of a sudden, power business intelligence takes over. Power BI is like, hey, we're going to report on this. Oh, your number is 20%, uh, you know, open rate. No, no, it's always been over 60. So how could it possibly be whatever number that you're reporting? It's like, well, we're taking these factors into account. And they're like, well, we don't count that. It's like, why? And those types of conversations, I've seen it more often where the control happens is Mm -hmm. when there's been historical faulty numbers because it's never really been owned by a single person or it's never really been owned by a real process. It's been owned in this Excel file and this Excel file. There's never been vetting for those numbers, be it finance numbers or again, pure uh, just departmental numbers. Once Power BI begins to filter the data in and it becomes centralized, those numbers become much more, call that accurate, but um, it goes through the same filter. People do not like that because it usually conflicts greatly with what's been assumed in the past. I like your I like your point there, Tommy. And I, I want to say I'm I'm resonating with your comment around analytics are now living inside those Excel sheets. Mm-hmm. And there, there's kind of like pockets of little yeah. analytics that are occurring that are serving some value, but it's not really part of the broader schema of things. And so in the article, it talks about the control of analytics resources, essentially the people, the skills of the people. And one thing I think I, I will echo here is I have had two pretty strong memories in my mind around situations where, particularly around master data management pieces, where different teams needed to own master data inside a, a single definition of what products we sell right and there was a lack of engagement from the different teams you know think finance right finance controls to your point seth the cost of the product um sales and marketing define the name the value the branding some of those things engineering controls the dimensional size like how heavy it weighs and all the mechanical pieces of the of the item right all the teams had different properties and some of them were easier to calculate engineering. You know, it is what it is. 
But there's other things like what size of this battery, what label, how are you going to call it? Like there's all these things. Yeah. These are other aspects of this that were harder to negotiate and it required someone else's time to fully vet and populate this. And so everyone started going, well, that's not my problem. I'm not going to, I don't have time for that. You go do it. I don't have time for this. You go do it. And so no one was actually working together to, to own their portion of the data. There wasn't clear alignment to you own this. We're signing off on it. When it's a problem, you got to go fix it. I think you, that, that point should be in this article. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's, it's, there are no yeah. owners, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, it's correct. where, it's where different te- it's the cross collaboration problem with people where nobody wants to take ownership of the full solution and the solution data solution is separated into multiple different source systems that nobody wants to like give up <laughs> or right. Like, and that, that is also another huge political, like I own it. I, I suppose it's, it's not, it's not necessarily, you can't access my data. It's, it's right here. Fine. Go ahead. Like, I'm not, I'm not owning, I'm not owning my data. I'm not owning the responsibility of merging it with your data. <laughs> right. Like that's what you're describing here. Oh, and the other part, I want to bring in one last point here around this one. So of the controlling of the analytics teams, it does a good job of saying, if we don't have clear roles and responsibilities, we're gonna, this will impact our hiring decisions. It will impact what projects get approved. It will impact the priority of your projects and it will impact the timeline to get any of your projects done. And it said, I really like this part here. There are, there, the warning signs of some stealth politics are going on around data is you start seeing the hiring of redundant data resources. And I'm jumping ahead here. Maybe I am. I'm sorry if I'm going too far. You're, the hiring you're jumping of into control of analytics resources, and I'm yeah. so far, I'm so far behind you. Oh, I sorry. Want to talk about control of data. All right. Well, let me. I'll stop then. Sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll pause. I I think this is. A, I think. Yeah. Anyways, this is a really good point. So you keep going back to what you're talking about. Control the, data. Sorry. So so one of the things I wanted to point out is a little bit maybe a, a little bit down in there. There's a paragraph that I want to get you guys' feedback on. Sure. Do you agree with this? in the in the past tense way in which he describes it while not usually nefarious these situations are often born from the early informal days of the company analytics activities dot 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 when everyone was forced to do whatever was necessary to get their insights this is a thousand percent this is you know why this strikes me as as like an interesting like part because it's in the past tense. And I would argue this is very real right now, yeah. everywhere. I, I think this is yes and no to some degree. I think some I think it really depends on the organization. I feel like there are some organizations that have this is a past tense comment. I think in other organizations it's very present tense. I think it really depends on it will vary between companies, at least how I've observed it. I don't think the technology matters here either. It's not, if you have Power BI, you're more likely not to have this. This goes back to, I think, it really goes back to data culture. I've seen this with Power BI, where different departments have, again, their own analytical resources. This doesn't happen in a vacuum or, hey, we had everything working last week. Why can't anyone communicate this week? This is years. 
and time of people looking at their own things in their own silos, their own definitions and how they uh, have labels and hierarchies uh, build up over time. I've seen, I mean, the most frequent one that I always go back to because it was so apparent was leads and sales and marketing. But this happens across the board. If you have departments and teams working siloed, not working towards universal definitions of how we measure things and how we label things. This is bound to happen. It's just like weeds growing without you actually acknowledging it, especially if you're not cross collaborating. And especially, I think to me, and I, I don't want to go to the centralized thing, but without some centralized resource of business intelligence or how do we measure things without some committee or governance, this is bound to happen because every team gets their own culture over time without looking within the organization. If you're working siloed, that you're bound to get your own ha habitual ways and your own definitions. Yeah, I would I would argue that that happens anyway, though. Like mm -hmm. every business unit has its own culture. They, yeah, they operate in different ways with their own data. I think the, the, the challenge to that is a cohesive strategy that hits them in the face across the organization mm -hmm and lets them know that there are better ways to do things and engages and helps them doing that. That's why, you know, when we talk about adoption, there's this big caveat, like you get one shot at that because of that reason, you're, you're disrupting a normalized process. So I don't necessarily think like it can be bad, but it can't, you know, like there's also a, I would expect it. Right. Which is also one of the reasons when we talked about this last Tuesday, like this is why you do the workshops in the yeah. business units. Right. Each yeah, business agree. Unit is different. Yeah. And I was going to bring that point up, uh, Seth. What we talked about with the workshops and running assessments, this is the biggest risk when you run those workshops for them to go terribly wrong. Um, yeah. If you if you have all these lack of definitions in this rigid control, you walk into those workshops going, OK, we're going to have these really productive meetings and immediately people are on guard because there's that lack of wanting to give up. And that's a big part to navigate if you're not aware that's already occurring. Yeah. Do you guys see a problem with like, so the the, the two points I'd make here, like first being and the question, um, with so many third-party applications that are used in organizations, is it necessarily bad that a particular business unit owns their data in that in that system? As long as it's the source of the data for, you know, analytical systems is what I would argue. Because I, I, from from a from a analytics perspective, or uh, an individual that is keen on um, accessing data from source systems to be used in a wider context, I don't want to own everything. Like it's not it's not our role to own the the system or the the system of record for a particular product. Mm -hmm. or or thing right from a business unit it's to ensure that the data that we're you know pulling into a larger ecosystem is managed and controlled and accurate you know and if the, like i i think that belongs in those different business units this may this may be a very cop-out answer but i'll give you mine i i think i i'm with you i want that business unit to own their portion of, like so for example there's a sales team that's collecting leads. They're collecting their data inside Salesforce, right? Salesforce doesn't isn't maybe dumping all of its data into a corporate space anyways. I'm okay with the team owning that and, and managing that as long as we have a handshake agreement to 
what are you doing in that system? And if you're bringing that data to the organization, when we see there's problems, we agree upon what the problem is, and you have guaranteed or you have agreed to going back to the organization saying, I'm willing to go fix these things. Like, for example, people are creative. Data fields are going to be weird. They're going to shove data into the wrong data field at some point, or that it'll be falsely incorrect, or a customer will be linked to the, long, to the wrong region. Uh, as the as the BI team or the central team here, I don't want to be the one fixing all their problems because their data isn't clean. No, and I so, would agree with that. I so as long as that. as long as I have an agreement with them that says, "Hey, we are going to identify what does the meaning of quality or clean data look like together." The idea is you own it, and when we have problems, here's the threshold. When data gets below yeah. this level of quality, you will stop building new things. Or doing work, you'll come back, and someone will be responsible for cleaning and owning that. And then, I'm, yes, I, I'm good with it. I I agree. I agree with that because that's that's the handshake that has to happen. Agree. When when enterprise systems or systems of data, like the analytics aspects of these things, yeah. start to plug into those. Agree. Which is, agree. You are the data steward and the subject matter expert of these things. Here is what we're, we will notify you and let you know what we're using in your system. Mm -hmm. Here are the dependencies that we have. Just so you know, here's like, here's what we're using. And in return, here's access to things that you didn't have access to. Before. Exactly right. Well, it's it's a, right? an agreement on both sides. Right. Yes. But, but yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where there has to be that higher level commit across the board because you are going to take mm -hmm. eh, five, 10% of an individual's time but the benefit is kind of twofold. One is you're pulling their their data into an ecosystem that other people can use and vice versa, they can access other information out of the analytical systems. I think it's hard to really answer that question, in my opinion, because there's two levels of ownership. There's Not hard, the we just answered it. <laughs> I'm going to disagree then. So, okay. oh yeah. So I'm saying there, the, there's two levels. There's the ownership of the technology of getting access to the data because the data has to flow in somehow. So whether that's the business technology team or whether that's from the department or that's IT, that data still has to flow in and that has to be owned by someone that we're getting the consistent data flowed in some standard uh, uh, database or where centralized system. Mm -hmm. The other side of ownership is the business logic. Uh, one of the things that's in the article is this idea of the black magic metrics. And I think those are two separate areas of ownership. What's the logic that we're eventually and how we're going to measure this on a quarterly, what's a member count, but you still need the data to come in. Both those areas can arise in a, uh, a, a situation of conflict of well, we need this new data. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with you, but the your one point I would put in the handshake. Ideally, the source system has a way to incorporate that business logic into views ideally, or something yeah. I can access. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. If it doesn't, then the handshake is more as we extract the data and create these artifacts, these objects that are representative of your system. We need you here to understand like what business logic we have to input here to make sure our table matches your table. And, and I think to yeah. me, that's just a shifting of where you're doing the things, but that doesn't change the responsibilities. You do strike the other point I was going to make here though, around this control of data that absolutely is rampant, which is okay. Yes, we love, we need this report. Um, here's all the requirements that you're asking for. 
Um, and here's the data set. It's an Excel document. Well, we don't we don't want this Excel document. We need to access the source system, the API. Well, you can't do that, <laughs> right? Right. Like, right? Right, right, right. And that's where, like, business units I have seen a lot of around the politicking is some of it's some of it's very. Um, uh, I think, I think I've seen it more in the areas where it it does matter. It is more sensitive data that can't just be proliferated across the board. But at the same time, like that just means when when you're pulling in security folks or when you're pulling in the strategies of how we're going to extract that that really isn't a a blocker anymore. But still, that's where the politics part of it will be, where there there's resistance to open access to do the things that are required for analytics, because in many cases um, and not all the time, but one of these where it's a real pain point is can you extract data from systems? Sure. But what most third-party systems don't do is give you a historical record. Mm -hmm. it, CRMs are a great example of this, where it's like, um, we just looked at the quarter quarter opportunity statuses, right? And they just completely went from this to this, the next quarter. How? Who did that? Why? What happened? Right? And there's, there's no, no, historical there's trending. no tracking of that yeah. unless you're capturing that data on a daily basis like analytic systems do. Right. That's what's hugely valuable. I think in in a lot of this is you start to see the trends or the changes over time and then identify bad behaviors or patterns that you otherwise wouldn't have recognized, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. But I, I think I, it's I'm seeing that as a pain point um, in in a negative light of data control. I think that's if you think about I don't know if you've seen like the analytics maturity curve, there's like a, a curve where you start with like, hey, I'm doing basic historical reporting and then I'm looking at like trends and analytics and then I'm providing recommendations and then we're getting to like, you know, uh, using AI and generate to me, tell me what I should do kind of things. As you think about that curve, I think what you're describing there, Seth, is very relevant because as I think about that progression, a lot of business units and maybe even organizations are just focusing on what does the data look like right now? And I, and I see what happens is there are team members that understand that, yes, I understand what happened right now, but I need to compare a state and time of those, to your point, sales opportunities, right? That's a great one. But with the sales opportunities on the first of the month versus the sales opportunities at the end of the month, how do we have no sales opportunities halfway through? And then what happened or how do we get all these extra opportunities or where, where'd they all go? Right. There's no trending of that. You can only see what it is right now. And it's, you, by not asking the right questions of what you want to track in the data, you're probably not storing the right amount of information or the right kinds. Like, I shouldn't be just looking at what it is right now. I shouldn't truncate the table and just replace. I should actually be storing a timestamp and storing every day the table. What's the status of every day? Because now I can actually do different analytics and, and do better analysis on top of it. So I think as company what you're seeing there in that example is you're seeing companies think through wow this was really helpful to do reporting as of right now how do i start doing better in analytics and usually that requires new tools and this is where i think fabric fits very well into this right giving you fabric in addition to power bi allows you to collect data in a different way and maybe more of that data that will then change what kind of questions or analytical things you want to ask later on. Well, and you still need that 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 handshake or the access point of view. I'm 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 laughing because I'm thinking about 
Seth's point about the Excel sheets, like, hey, especially for a business intelligence team coming in, it's like, can we see your data? Here's our Excel sheet. That's great, but can we see actually where you got it from? Well, why do you need that? Why do you need our source data? And I think that there's a big area of conflict there where people, they'll give you some data. They'll give you what they've already created. But to say, can we get access to your source system or your login information or whatever the credentials are to access? Again, there's hundreds of third-party tools or third-party systems we're using now that business intelligence and fabric would still needs too. It, it doesn't just need the final cleaned version. And it's like, that's what we're going to start reporting on because we don't know what you've done to this nice, pretty Excel sheet with conditional formatting. We need to see the rows. That's to me a huge part where the conflict begins to arise because like, we'll give you what we've already cleaned. Why do you need to see anything else? But if business, again, this, I don't even think this is an ownership of the measures. This is, Let's get your data in a right format because early in the article, people just designed things off the seat of their pants because that's the best they could do. But we have better systems now and people are built in their, um, their ways. Yeah. I want to, I want to, I think this is a good opportunity to move into more of the control of the analytics resources or the people's portion of this. Cause I think this sure. is where I was going a little bit earlier in the conversation, a little too fast. Um, I think what you described there, Tommy, speaks very well to how do you know when there are stealth politics coming in and it's the hiring of redundant resources for a business unit, like more people to chew on Excel files is what I'm thinking, right? Oh, we have so much work to do. We need another resource or two. And then all you do is you bring them in and all you just throw you just throw them into Excel and they're just chewing through Excel files. That's probably not a good use. Like there's probably a bigger problem we should be solving to make all of that a lot easier. So what's that kind of issue? Um, you know, the creation of shadow or un I have, I've heard shadow IT all the time. And I'm, coming from the business, I don't like the term shadow IT. To me, that just indicates someone is... Shadow IT is someone or some team that has been unable to do their job and they have developed their own process outside of the purview of the IT team. So why did that... like? Don't call it shadow IT. Figure out what is, why did they have to do that? <laughs> why was, why do you call that? Why is this shadow IT thing appearing? Is it because you IT are not providing the data that you need to the business? You like everything I see in Power BI right now, especially with Fabrica and incorporating here is I see the line between where IT used to do the data work and where the business do the work is now continuing to blur more and more. And I think about Rob Colley's book, um, I think he was like analyze something in Excel or something like that. He's got some kind of really great book now that I read a while ago, but in the book, he describes like there's, there's this moment where when you involve more people in a direction, analytically, whatever that thing is, the more people you add, the more communication that's required to understand the direction, to get everyone on the same page, to get everything moving the same direction. And what Power BI is doing is it's adding more capability to business and you're, you're involving, I think, more people to have input around what data is doing. And I, I think it's the right approach, but I think businesses are struggling to figure out what's the right blend of how this works. Does that make sense? It does. I, I think <clears throat> from my perspective in this realm, I, I don't think this is 
the, the article kind of paints this in this like mysterious nefarious way that like oh yeah we're we're creating problems for the organization but i almost guarantee you this is a perspective thing it's not like the business unit is able to do things that are like nefarious and like this like the business or leadership team doesn't understand that like there's they shouldn't be doing it i i think this is a problem of how typically business people operate which is a give it to me now mentality ever like we have a problem throw bot like it's it's this it's the same thing engineering or business intelligence teams get hammered with hammered with literally you see a nail you whack it with your hammer what is your hammer it's your skill set what is your skill set you know how the business runs excel you <sighs> access it right like so what you see that nail what is it going to take more bodies right mm -hmm. It's going to take me, me requesting this thing. Oh, that's too slow. So we got to do it ourselves. And I think that's where we get ourselves into trouble um, in large part because they don't understand what is possible or that there are better, more efficient ways to do the thing that they need to uh, attack. And this, this is very true in data, data tasks, right? Virtuous waste is a thing. That's why we as business professionals, you as consultants can literally with... 90% confidence, walk into a business and say, if you give me X amount of dollars, I will give you that back in the one month I'm here, right? I just point me to a business unit. I'll find efficiencies, right? And in many cases, like we're, we're not out to fire people. <laughs> we're not out to people. Oh. But like you, how many times have you walked in and be like this, this person, all they do is move data around. If we automate this process, that person can do something else, right? Like analyze the data or like give you insights and like increase the revenue of this business area, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think this is where, Mike, to your point that you were ending on as well that I agree with is this is why the focus on data culture are these really large initiatives that we talk about on Tuesday are so valuable because yes. we're trying to raise the bar of general data understanding and capabilities. Yes, across so the entire business organization. People Yep. In their business units, regardless of what you're, they're doing with the data control or analytics resources, understand the art of what's possible. Yes. And when you're doing that, that should start from the top so that as you're moving yep. down, any of these requests that start coming up through the organization should be halted or at least tailored into a different direction of like, guys, why are you do? Okay, so you're going to do this, but do you know this team over here is doing that? Mm -hmm. Or did you know that we already have an initiative going on here? We have resources. We have some capacity. Go talk to them. So instead of us agreeing to your two more resources, we're going to point you in this direction. And I, I just think it's a, it's a byproduct of um, areas of business trying to execute in the way that they know how to as, as quickly as they possibly can, which is what we're trying to do. We're trying to increase the value of the business in our different ways and we're in a unique position, I think, because we have the foot in IT and the foot in business, right? So these perspectives are our responsibility in the adoption roadmap that we talk about all the time and the data culture to raise up throughout the organization. And they're going to be handled and executed on in different ways. But this is where you would start to see, I think, the, you know, analytics resources start to be congregated in specific areas as opposed to they need a person and they need a person and they need a person right like yeah. that that you start to co like build some cohesion and maybe you then have resources that are those 
you know, Power BI champions or Fabric champions that you consolidate into, you know, what is your extended team of a COE or, you know, the, the working, um, uh, off the top yeah. of my head, the, the, the name of those people, the champion team, right. Yeah. It, that are pushing the larger efforts into the organization. But that's to me, just kind of part, all part of this collective communication that, that has to start happening or at least strategy that has to happen within organizations for this to work. And it's very much a domino effect too, to your point, Seth, where the longer that goes on with the, the more June, 2023, July, 2023 Excel sheets you have, or people working on that over time, when you begin to shine the light on this, you're shaking the core of the data itself or the people working on it. Because like, well, no, I spent 20 hours on this and I've done all this time. The longer people have been working in those systems or that same uh, um, process, and now you're coming in, odds are the numbers are going to change if it's taken over by business intelligence. There's going to be some flux there and people's processes are going to change. The longer, to your point, that people have just been doing things because they needed to, the more you're shaking their core, the more you're shaking what they've known to be true. Um, and I think that's a big point of how do you address that? Even if their truth is based on wrong information. Exactly. It's exactly. still their truth. It's their truth. Exactly. And that's yeah. a huge part of this. I've seen I've seen people relying on Excel sheets that have errors in them. And they're yeah. like, well, that's, that's what we've been doing. And well, that's how we've been running things. Years. Okay. But there's clearly errors in here. And you see but where it, like, but it's right. wrong, but it's right. wrong. So, but, that's what they be, and you, but, but, but to your point though, it's like, well, yeah. they have to be like, well, you have to get people to acknowledge like, okay, yes, we're going to move forward. We're going to do better on our analytics, but like, it's, it's a, it's a challenge because you have to get people to agree like, okay, yes, it was wrong. Okay. How are we going to do it better moving forward? And I mean, again, I think that's where the, another side of the empathy comes in because you're basically telling them, hey, go back to your boss and tell them the last nine months of what you've told them is faulty. And all the time well, you spend that's the reluctance. The that's the reluctance of why they right. don't want to change. No, Correct. exactly. But because I, we've we've eaten that crow ourselves a lot, regardless yeah. of whether this is why we stress business owners, like right. owners of the data, because we're the ones that are going to get hammered if data is wrong in a report. And if it's because 100%. of the course of our system, that's, that's why. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's on me. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And so I don't, yeah, to me, that's not just power. That's also you're shaking up everything where you may think of someone possibly getting fired or shaking up our boss, not being happy with the last nine months. Um, I think that's just a big part. I look at always how many Excel monthly files or reports that they have and to my sensitivity level when I go into those types of conversations. Yeah. So we got two sections to, get to, to crank through. I think controlling the analytics technology, like from a framework perspective, you guys would agree like that that belongs in the central team mm -hmm. or, or at least somebody with technical understanding of like, what are the requirements, right? Sometimes that can be a SQL server. Other times the, the organizational data is going to be much larger and needs a, a much more robust system. But I like this section in, in that section around controlling the analytics technology. There is this. It's the non-core part. Right? It's the non-core. That's yeah, yeah, the hard yeah, yeah. part. Cause I don't agree with you. There are core parts of your business that, yeah, that comes through a central team. You're going to yeah. put it in a central storage area, server, lake house, whatever you want to call it. And it gets served from there, which makes sense because, you again, the business has decided there's enough value behind that. They're going to plan and design it correctly. It's all this other stuff. And I've actually seen this, too, like Altrix, he mentions, mm -hmm. and then data science tools. Mm -hmm. I've seen this as being very much a problem 
because you bring in the data scientist and they just do things literally. I was talking with a data scientist a couple of days ago. I was like, where, where do you do your work? He goes, oh, I just download the Python libraries to my laptop and do it there. I'm like, cool. Love it that you're doing data science-y things, but like, that's not the place to do this because I can't productionalize your laptop. It just, does, it just doesn't work. Like that's not, I mean, you can do exploratory things and figure out what may be good and what may, may not be good, but we shouldn't be doing those things in a vacuum. We should be thinking about doing them in notebooks inside Fabric. Like that's, that's where that stuff should be living. That way you can pick that up and add it to a pipeline and you can make it, you can output that same amount of data every single day. Cause you're going to, you're going to be doing predictions, analytics, and, you know, forecasting. People are going to rely on those numbers. That's why it's good to have it in a common place. Yeah. What do you guys think about these non-core technologies? I, I think about access. I think about Altrix. I think about, um, you know, people buying other analytical tools, not Power BI, like Tableau, or have other versions of, of software that are around that are just maybe through an acquisition. They're just there. Yeah. Um, I, I don't like them. It, because yeah. in right, the, move on. In, next, next conversation. Right. <laughs> and, and, and the reason being this is purely from, uh, it, it's just not a good business because from a cost perspective, you're going to be spooling Double up many pain. different, many different subscriptions or different services for different tools. And this automatically leads into specialized roles. Like, so all of a sudden now I have to have analytics people mm. in different teams that know how to use these different tools. And then not only do I have a difference in how data is being used for different business units and that's fine. Right. But how do you reconcile all that? Like if, if, and when you get to a point, which you will at some point as an organization going, why do we have five visualization tools and the business going, well, it's what we're, what we're using. So we're, and, it's what we're and, used to. And someone coming in going, nope, we're going to use Power BI. What do you well, do with all those resources that don't know it? You know what I'm saying? Like that's the conflict here that, that this results in is, you know, it's very easy to say, well, a business unit should be able to do whatever they want to. And, and it's not just data and reporting and analytics. There's other decision points too with different applications. Do they, can you talk to them? Do you know, can you integrate them with other things? Like all of those decisions happen all the time too that are blockers to better business, right? Because as mm -hmm. these strategies start to come into play, there's, there's cost, there's overhead. And then when you, when you proliferate that into the people who have to maintain those specialized things, that that's where you're going to run into a problem at some point. I don't think it's just analytic tools. And I'll just ask you guys real uh, quickly on this to move on. But what about the all non-straight analytical tools, Google Analytics, sale through email campaign information, operations, software systems that provide a ton sure. of data that, again, may not be straightforward into the core systems. Should those also... Yeah. Like th those also, I think need to have that conversation here as well. I, don't, I would I don't put them under. The, I would put those under the lens of like core. And I mean, I if you're, I think I think there's a certain size of data or a certain amount of data that's important enough where you're like, yeah, this is important enough. We should be talking about that. Um, and and this is where I think leadership and again that working team, mm -hmm. that working team inside your analytics should be really evaluating this. Like, you will be hearing of important data sources. This team always uses this data source. This team uses this program. This team uses this third-party application. I think those conversations will bubble up, but you're right, Tommy. I think you need to have conversation around them. I think you need to bring them up. I think you need to identify if they're strategic or not. And if they are, then you have the conversation. Okay, central team, 
how are we getting this data in? It, and it may not need to join with other core system data. It may just be, let's just make it easier for our users to get it because mm-hmm. we're not going to let you use all these other tools. We're going to use Power BI, so we have to get it there. Two tools that I really have some conflict with are organizations that are spinning up Snowflake and organizations that are using Altrix. Because I feel like a lot of Snowflake and Altrix is capabilities that Power BI already does. So they want to use Snowflake, they want to use Altrix to do shaping and engineering of data, and yet they want to use Power BI as well. And I'm like, well, you realize a lot of what you're trying to do already can be done inside Power BI. Cost-cutting, right there. (laughs) Right. I feel like you're you're double-dipping or spending more money because you're building two things. So if you're going to pick these things, right, let's just pick strategically what we're going to do here and, and try to... Yeah. Have a plan to figure out do we need do we really need Snowflake? Does it fit our long-term objectives? And I've heard real clearly from Snowflake, they're not putting any kind of AI stuff inside their ecosystem. So when you're gonna have to yet buy another tool to to run that, uh in in addition to everything else. So I think companies really need to be thinking about strategically how do we get our data, how can we get it stored at volume and what tooling can we put in place that will allow us to do deeper analytical things? The next gen of AI and machine learning, that's, it's going to get there. I think, I think Tommy, to your, to your original point, like the, re, re, I'm fine and I'm like 100% on board with reporting from the core, the system of record. If it's part of the tool, right? It, of course they have reporting efforts and, and needs a business unit. And, and as a central BI team, I don't want to own all that. Do we want to like offer them capabilities and teach them that they can extend that with a need? There are need. There are always needs with joining to other data, right? Or aggregating and seeing data in a different way. Or to our time, you know, uh, our perspective, maybe uh, plugging into our analytical data systems that have the historical record, right? All hugely valuable, especially if they know how to use those tools. I think it's the extra analytics tools where I say I standardize if you can absolutely standardize if you can because what otherwise happens is those business people either hire or upskill themselves to learn how to use those tools and then they they don't rightfully so they don't want to do it again which they would have to do if you're going to say now you can't use that anymore we're going to cost save get rid of your three products and we're going to have one product now right yep it 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 creates a challenge. Is it an opportunity to learn more? Yeah, but at the same time, like you, you think about those cycles of how a business is already investing in solving their problems, mm-hmm. and you're in, you're saying they have to use a new tech stack. Like that's it's the add-on part that yeah. um, I think it's is, a risk. It I mean it's clearly yeah. a risk of you know yes I agree. All right, with that, let's do final thoughts. Um, I think we're basically out of time here on the article. Um. Tommy, what do you think? What are your kind of your final thoughts, your kind of key takeaways here for this article? Honestly, for me, this is something that happens easily. And I think without a lot of uh, bells and whistles, without you knowing, and it creeps up on you uh, in a lot of organizations, it's the easily introduction of technology. It's the introduction of new metrics or different departments. And I think Without what we've been talking about on our implementation Tuesdays, without a working team, without some centralization of buy-in on what technology or Power BI or how we devise and look at data, this is going to always creep in. And just because you solve it now doesn't mean that it may creep in organically in a few months from now. So I think just being aware 
of how politics and how data arises um, is a huge component to continue to be on top of it. Seth, any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'd encourage everybody to go read the article. There were several aspects that uh, sections that we didn't get to that, you know, impact budget, et cetera. Um, overall, there, there's always going to be politics and data. Who controls what? There's going to be budgets. There's going to be focus that we all want to be a part of in solving the business problems. I, I guess where this leaves me is keep if you keep the organizational goals in mind, like what are the best choices for the business? A lot of this kind of just goes by the wayside. And as long as you stay laser focused on that, people rally around that message, right? And, and I think I've seen a lot of positive um, directional things that avoid a lot of uh, what, what's been brought up in this article, but it's always there. So be, be cognizant. That's a good point. I think in lieu of uh, my observation for this one would be like in lieu of fabric and how fabric is changing this. Again, I've, I've said it from the beginning. I'll keep saying it again. Fabric provides a lot more data engineering tools to the business user. Previously, we were making models and kicking out reports. That was what we we're doing. And now we have a lot more potential for more shadow IT efforts to pop up and, and get brought together in the same tool. I think my takeaway is just be mindful to be open and candid about conversation and talking and reviewing what your needs are and how you can help. I think um, people are more willing to work with you when you remove pain from their process. If you can make things easier, provide more data, make it easier to get access to that data, we really can move the needle forward. And you want to foster a healthy relationship of talking about what the needs are and how the data can serve uh, the business goals and objectives. So, you know, be open to communicate, communicate more about what you're doing and what your needs are. Maybe that's, maybe it's my final point. Sounds good. Good. With that, we thank you very much for listening to the podcast. We, uh, we appreciate your listenership. We, the only thing we ask uh, for the podcast is if you like this podcast, if this was some good food for thought, or you learned something new here, we'd really appreciate it if you would share it with somebody else, either on social media or someone at work. Just spread the word. Let somebody else know that you enjoyed this episode or maybe even write up a couple ideas that you thought about this and how do you feel about uh, your data culture and how uh, this will work for politics in your company. Or maybe not because you might get fired. So don't do that. So maybe just say you like the article. <laughs> hey, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Huh? Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? You can find us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a rating. It helps us out a ton. Do you have a question, an idea, or a topic that you want us to talk about in a future episode? Head over to powerbi.tips slash podcast. Leave your name and a great question. Finally, join us live every Tuesday and Thursday, 7.30 a.m. Central, and join the conversation on all Power BI Tips social media channels. You did that in one breath. That was amazing. Yeah, not a few. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you all very much, and we'll see you next time.